Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, look, folks, I, I mean, I don't need to point it out. I mean, the stakes are high when it comes to, to renegotiating NAFTA. And there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment when it comes to international trade, and in particular, our relationship with the United States. Now, you may or may not have confidence in our current administration here to to strike a deal or to bargain with the United States. But regardless of who the prime minister is, we're dealing with an unpredictable president who feels as though his country is getting a raw deal and seems to favor a much more protectionist approach. Now, there was some encouraging news yesterday uh, that Trump has recruited economic pundit. Larry Kudlow, you might know him from CNBC, uh, he's going to head up the National Economic Council. Now, Larry Kudlow is a guy who is uh, big on free trade, big on NAFTA, doesn't like tariffs. And so this is all encouraging. Uh, But this other story today really isn't. Because Donald Trump seems really obsessed with this idea of trade surpluses and trade deficits. And not only is he needlessly obsessed with all of that, he seems totally comfortable making up facts about it. So the Washington Post has the story today, and they obtained the audio of a speech that Donald Trump gave last night, where Trump is describing an interaction he had with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And he admits to making up facts about the trade deficit. He said that he had no idea, and he just made something up in the heat of the moment. Uh, Now, earlier today, the U.S. president took to Twitter to try to back up his claim that Canada, rather that U.S. has a trade deficit with Canada. But here's the interesting thing, because he is contradicting the White House's own economic report, which Donald Trump himself signed just a few weeks ago, that states very clearly that the U.S. runs a trade surplus with Canada. So how do we navigate all of this? Uh, joining us for some thoughts, very pleased to welcome to the program, uh, Eric Miller, who's a fellow with the Canadian Global Affairs Institute, also president of uh, Rideau Potomac uh, Strategy Group. Eric, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Well, as we try to sort through all of this today, I mean, what, what are your initial impressions of all of this? Well, certainly uh, there's a lot of politics uh, behind the policy which is being put out there. Um, Mr. Trump himself has played fast and loose with the facts all along. And when you get, for example, into the specifics of Canada's trade surplus or trade deficit, it is all about what you count. And so if you count uh, energy into the mix, Canada sends a lot of great Alberta oil to the United States. And that is very much in our favor. If you count uh, services along with goods, the U.S. has a very significant trade surplus with Canada. And so, uh, in many respects, what the president is doing is picking the facts to suit his argument rather than trying to look 
uh, at what the situation is and how to make it better. How relevant should that question of trade balance be? How much does it really matter? I don't think it really matters at all. Uh, about a third of Canada-U.S. trade is uh, intra-firm. In other words, firms trading with each other. And another third is within established supply chains. In essence, we have built networks of production uh, across the border with the U.S. And it's hard to disaggregate all of that. Even in the auto sector, which has received a significant amount of tension in the NAFTA talks, uh, the U.S. Congress has passed a law that says there is no such thing as an American car. It must be labeled as product of USA slash Canada. And so trying to assign values or disaggregate all of that is something which is not helpful to anyone's economic future and uh, will create needless busy work for a lot of statisticians. As we as we go through these NAFTA renegotiations, I think obviously then it's up to Canada to try to get a sense of what is it that the U.S. is unhappy with, what is it that the U.S. is is looking for, uh, and and to try to negotiate from that as a starting point. But do we know what it is that, that the U.S. is after here? Well, Mr. Trump himself has long had a view that the U.S. has lost on trade. Uh, he's called Canada brutal. He has uh, played fast and loose, as I've said, with the facts about deficits. But NAFTA is a legal agreement with chapters and articles, and they've never gotten really good at specifying what specifically they think is wrong with the existing NAFTA and what needs to be made right. They have put issues on the table. They, For example, the, the investor state dispute resolution issue, they said they want to get rid of it. They put a proposal on automotive rules of origin on the table. They've now accepted a, a, uh, the idea of continuing to have an energy chapter. But they have not gotten specific about which parts of NAFTA have caused the problem, in their view, and which parts need to be fixed. And so Canada is left in a position where it's trying to discern what the U.S. intentions are and how to navigate all of this. And I think in many respects, Steve Rahul, the chief negotiator, has done a really superb job in figuring all of this out, but it is still very much a work in progress because, as you noted uh, within the administration, there is a significant battle going on. Larry Kudlow, as you mentioned, is coming in as the head of the National Economic Council, but also yesterday, uh, Gil Kaplan was confirmed as the Undersecretary for International Trade at Commerce. He is a steel litigator, very much in the uh, likeness of uh, Robert Lighthizer. And so the nationalists, wing at the White House also got reinforcements yesterday, as well as the so-called uh, globalist or more pragmatic open wing. Right. I mean, it, it almost seems as though uh, the president likes having these different views, almost likes to, to, to have these people battle it out and, and try to win him over. Yes, but ultimately, we know what he thinks. Uh, he has been writing about this view he holds of trade since the 1980s and the fights with Japan. And so uh, I wonder about how much effectiveness Mr. Kudlow will have in, in changing the direction of the agenda. Now, there will be important decisions to be made, such as how does the steel and aluminum exemption work? Uh, is it something that, that we will need over the long haul? Certainly you will see uh, the need for the negotiation of a Canada-U.S monitoring framework so that we can be sure that steel from China is not masquerading with steel from Canada in exports to the U.S. Uh, this is all something that is workable, but fundamentally it's very difficult to strike a definitive deal 
when your partner is very much uh, worried among itself about what the policy should actually be. In the meantime, though, I mean, we'd have NAFTA negotiations ongoing for months now. We had, of course, the exemption carved out for Canada and Mexico on the steel tariffs, uh, which seemed like signs of optimism. But uh, I, we, we're talking about here, it's tough to get a good read on the situation. Are, are, are you feeling optimistic about the, the NAFTA talks? I am feeling optimistic. It's not going to be over anytime soon, that is for sure. Uh, you're looking at the Mexican elections kicking off formally on April 1st. The United States also has to renew its negotiating authority. And fundamentally, Canada is playing the long game. One of the things that they smartly did from the very beginning was to not buy into the notion of artificial timetables, of saying, we must be done by Christmas or we must be done by February or what have you. Canada has said, we'll take the time that we require in order to get a good deal. And so the process itself has a certain arc to it, which suggests that it probably gets done somewhere around the end of the year. Certainly there will be many more tweets, there will be bumps in the road, and there will be hard decisions that will be required. But the fact that we are still going and that we stepped back from the precipice in the Montreal round in January and the U.S. did not actually pull out, it says to me that uh, there is at least a basic acceptance certainly in, on Capitol Hill and also within the administration, of the need to reach a, a deal. Doesn't mean it's going to be fast, doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but Canada has NAFTA in the meantime. And so we need to take the time to get it right, and I think that's what we're doing. And so fundamentally, I feel optimistic, but I'm certainly uh, uh, biting my fingernails at times uh, thinking about what lies ahead. Yeah, no kidding. Well, we'll leave it there. Eric, appreciate the insights, and uh, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Thanks for having me on. Much Take appreciated. Care. Eric Miller is a fellow with the Canadian Global Affairs Institute, CGAI.ca, also president of the Rideau Potomac Strate- uh, Strategy Group, a cross-border consultancy, uh, which you can find at RideauPotomac.com. Regarding trade deficits and surpluses, let's go back, shall we? Sometimes I think maybe we need to do this. 1978, once again, a Nobel Prize-winning economist Milton Friedman Someone who up until recently, I think conservatives really like to, to quote and point to was someone uh, with economic guidance that we can still apply here today as to whether this whole idea of we've got a trade surplus or we've got a trade deficit, whether that even matters. I mean, we think of budgets. You want a budget surplus. You don't want a budget deficit. And I think we're kind of applying that rationale to trade between countries when it's not applicable. And frankly, it doesn't matter. In the international trade area. The language is almost always about how we must export. And what's really good is an industry that produces export. And if we buy from abroad and import, that's bad. But surely that's just upside down as well. What we send abroad, we can't eat, we can't wear, we can't use for our houses. The goods and services we send abroad are goods and services not available to us. On the other hand, the goods and services we import, they provide us with TV sets we can watch, with automobiles we can drive, with all sorts of nice things for us to use. The gain from foreign trade is what we import. What we export is the cost of getting those imports. And the proper objective for a nation, as Adam Smith put it, is to arrange things so we get as large a volume of imports as possible 
for as small a volume of exports as possible. This carries over to the terminology we use. I've already referred to the misleading terminology of protection, but when people talk about a favorable balance of trade, what is that term taken to mean? It's taken to mean that we export more than we import. But from the point of view of our well-being, that's an unfavorable balance. That means we're sending out more goods and getting fewer in. Each of you in your private household would know better than that. You don't regard it as a favorable balance when you have to send out more goods to get less coming in. It's favorable when you can get more by sending out less. Right. So whenever you hear about this idea of trade balance or we've got a trade surplus or we've got a trade deficit, I mean, think about what that means and, and why we care about it in the first place. So Trump uh, accusing Canada of having a trade surplus with the United States. The White House's own economic report says, no, in fact, the U.S. has a trade surplus with the United or with Canada. So I guess we can go back and forth on this. The response from the uh, from the federal government here is, again, to point to that White House economic report. Uh, this is reporter Terry Pentwell. A spokesman for Foreign Affairs Minister Christian Freeland, when asked about Donald Trump's comments, issued a statement pointing to the U.S. government's own figures, which show the U.S. runs a trade surplus with Canada. Adam Austin also indicates Canada will remain at the bargaining table with the U.S. and Mexico, saying the government is, quote, energetically at work modernizing and updating NAFTA. Now, regarding uh, Larry Kudlow, we mentioned him, and this is an interesting recruit by the White House to put him at the uh, head of this Economic Advisory Council. Uh, just days ago, in fact, on CNBC, Mr. Kudlow said, quote, I still feel the more free trade we have, the better we are. That's encouraging. you like this one, too. He says NAFTA is the key. And unfortunately, we're going after a major NAFTA ally and perhaps America's greatest ally, namely Canada. Even with this left-wing crazy guy, Trudeau, they're still our pals. Why are we going after them? So let's hope this is someone the president's going to listen to. 974-8255 is our number. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.